right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer, and I have decided last minute, Nick, you'll be hosting the show today by yourself. Me? Yep, I'm out. You're out? Later. (laughs) What's you doing? I'm not here. You got it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the way. All right. Nick Chuck Sports Talk live. <laughs> okay. No, but in all honesty, so uh, Jalen Daniels, no go. KU loses to Texas Sad. 40 to 14. We have yeah. a lot to break down on today's show. We will uh, do that here today. David Lesky of Inside the Crown will break down the Royals season. It has come to a close at 340 today. We got Case of the Mondays, Chiefs recap, NFL Monday overreactions in the 4 o'clock hour, more KU football in the 5 o'clock hour, and we'll get to some uh, Lance Leipold audio later in the show. Uh, Let's start with the quarterback position. That's certainly the thing that is on most people's mind, right? Uh, Yeah. Now, if you remember back at the beginning of the season, Jalen Daniels has the back injury through fall camp. He misses the Missouri State game. Yep. And in a vacuum, we said that not a huge deal in terms of the game. You should be able to blast Missouri State, which you did. Yes. But it is a big deal because this is pretty indicative for a guy who's had injury trouble in the past that at this point, it, it shows you that this is a real worry, a real concern, a real injury. Yes. And so now, this is the exact scenario that we brought up about how we said, Literally at any point, the back could flare up at any point. You could, And so I think we almost forgot about it over the last couple of weeks, but I think now you're going to go into every game the rest of the season in the back of your mind, even if there's no designation to injury for Jalen Daniels, back of your mind, you're still going to go, but what if something pops up in the five minutes before the game? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. At the, when this happened, going into the beginning of the year, it was a discussion of, well, you know, there are certain types of injuries that tend to be can be nagging injuries, knee injuries, ankle injuries, back injuries, aka exactly what Jalen's dealing with. And so I, I think you're right. I think because the past couple of weeks there hasn't been any discussion about it, I think people probably just assumed, okay, he's fine, right? But we did have that discussion about, well, is this something that could randomly flare up again? And sure enough, ahead of the biggest game for KU all season, more than likely, on the road, undefeated against a top three opponent, Jalen's back flares up. And the circumstances in which it flares up flares up are a little murky. Uh, because Lance Leipold said, well, at the hotel we learned about it, but then there's the infamous picture of him in the backpack yeah, at the that pregame. Yeah, definitely made some fans a little unhappy. Which I will say this, uh, it's like, uh, I, I don't pre-claimer real quick. I, I don't know what's up with that. Also, can can we not get like a student manager, the, the hundreds of I don't know staffers they have just to carry the dude's backpack? Anyway, um... I think it's okay to be frustrated with the situation. It's a frustrating situation. Yeah. Uh, it's it's okay to be frustrated with the way maybe it's been handled. It's okay to be frustrated with the way that it has been communicated to the, the fans and the people. 
I yeah. don't think it's okay to be frustrated or specifically mad at Jalen Daniels or to think that he quit on the team or that yeah. he wasn't trying. Of course dude, the dude wanted to play. Take your damn tinfoil hat exactly. off and calm down. He's not trying to transfer. That's stupid. He would have done that in the offseason if he really wanted to. Or hey, he's going to Michigan thing. State right now. Here's the other thing. He still could have played in that game and hypothetically preserved that. Not that he was trying to do that. And here's the other You don't think that Jalen Daniels, a guy who his ultimate goal, his ultimate dream is to probably play in the NFL. You don't think that he would want to, in front of a bunch of NFL scouts in a top 25 matchup on the road, be like, hey, I'd love to ball out against this good Texas defense that's littered yeah, with NFL no, pros. It's, it's ridiculous. It's very stupid. So I, I don't can, really want to spend quickly, Yeah, yeah I don't want to spend move any on time from that. On I just it. wanted to quickly yeah. throw that in No, that's there. fair. Yeah. I, I, I like that you did that, but yeah, I don't want to spend any yeah. time on it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this the stuff with Jalen with Daniels happens. And, and yeah, you're right. I think the the most frustrating part of this, and, and Lance Leipold spoke today about it a little bit, and which we'll get to that audio probably tomorrow, but. You know, how about how Jalen's going to be day to day? And I think that's just kind of going to be the reality of the situation. It's, it sucks, but I don't, I honestly think that KU is in a situation where they just aren't really sure yep. uh, what's happening with Jalen Daniels, which, which is just, it really sucks. It's, it's terrible. It's a horrible feeling for fans. I get it. It's frustrating. You've got the best quarterback that KU's had in the last 15 years, probably one of the top three or four most talented quarterbacks you've had in KU football history in the midst of trying to rise from the ashes and, you have this happen, right? It feels it, it's it's like it's almost like that last twist of the knife in the back of KU fans of you're gonna dangle this player in front of you that's yeah. so good, so talented, <laughs> can change the face of your team, and it's just gonna be well, we're not quite sure if he's gonna be able to be available every week, but but yeah, I think to to indicate in any way that Jalen Daniels didn't want to play or that there was any sort of uh, you know weirdness going on, I think is ridiculous, like you said. Uh, so, but yeah, that sucks. That sucks. And but you know, listen, we've talked about it. Jason Bean is probably one of the most experienced backup quarterbacks in the country. A guy that has bona fide power five level experience. And we know that it's not Jalen Daniels. And I don't know, dude. The, with the Jason Bean stuff, man, I don't know if it's, I don't know if Jalen Daniels existing makes people hold Jason Bean to a higher standard, or if like I don't know what yes. the deal is, but. I think Jason Bean is doing everything he can. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really get the Jason Bean hate, and I really well, don't get it for this game specifically because you asked a guy literally within hours of a kickoff of a game to sure. start when he was not preparing to do that at all. Yeah, on I, the road against a top three opponent. There's a lot like, of context. I, I think, I think he went out and did the best he could. Yeah. So I, th- I think both in terms of uh, really everything this game, there's not one absolutionist take. I think everything I mean, has dude, a lot of nuance. Breaking in this news. Game. Jason Bean is not as good as Jalen Daniels. Okay. Wow. Yes. Who knew? So that is that is right. That is 100% correct. It's viewed that way. Also, at the same point in time, I'm going to throw out some positives and some negatives at the same point. Positive is that, yes, you get judged to a higher standard, which is unfair to Jason Bean. Negative, he had a 17 QBR. That was by far worst of any Big 12 quarterback. That was also the worst by a KU quarterback in two years. Dude, okay. he's, on the, he's on the road against a top three opponent. Positive, you're playing a really good opponent on the road. I mean, okay. Good Lord. Okay, positive again. You're, you're playing a really good opponent on the road. Um, negative is that you missed a lot of passes that were even, I, I shouldn't say a lot. You went nine of 21. You missed some passes that were open that you needed to have. Uh, also, also a couple, positive, also the receivers did have some drops. Critical drops. Right? Yes. And and I don't know how much they got open. There wasn't a ton of second uh, separation out in the secondary. Um, okay, I'm back to a negative here. Uh, let's say even though he didn't have the, the week to prep, he's a, what, fifth, sixth-year player? Shouldn't the idea be if you're a veteran player, you should be ready to go into the fire no matter what, right? Sure. So there is a lot of nuance here. Um, positive, he had the long throwing touchdown to Trevor Wilson. Negative 
is that they struggled to stay on the field and sustain drives, and you saw the differences between Jalen, where you can't really run read option. There, there was the play, the third and one that led to the fourth and one. Yeah, if you would have kept have a, the third and one, they might score a touchdown on that play. It was yeah. so open. I have a couple thoughts on that. Yes, with the option stuff, I, I wonder if there is any sort of lack of chemistry there because if you have Jalen Daniels taking all of the first team reps all week long in practice or whatever, I wonder if just the there's a lack of chemistry or communication there between like Jason Bean and Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal. Like I just wonder if that affected like specifically on the fumble play where they fumbled on the fourth down. I wonder if something like that plays into account, right? Where maybe maybe with Jalen and Daniel Highshaw, there's a timing there where if Jalen hasn't pulled it out, Daniel Highshaw knows he's getting the ball. And that timing was not it's not the same with Jason Bean. So I, I don't know. I I wonder if there's if there's some sort of chemistry issues involved there that, you know, because with, with read option there's a lot of nuance involved. And so I just wonder if that impacted it. Could it. Be. But you're right. I think Again, you're a veteran rest, player. Right? The, the, the rare situation is this. Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean are, are two different quarterbacks that have are different strengths in different areas. And kind of to extrapolate out this point, I, I, I don't envy Andy Kolnicki or the offensive staff going forward for KU because, dude, when you've got two quarterbacks that are both talented and both can do different things really well, but you don't know which one you're going to go with, that makes it almost impossible for you to develop any sort of intricate game plan throughout the week because you can't if, – if one guy does one thing well and the other guy does not do that thing well, you can't game plan to have that as part of your offense going into a game. Yeah, no. So I that, think that's a big part of it too is like, you know, Jason Bean is the guy who's definitely more aggressive with the ball, likes to, likes to push it down the field, throw the ball more downfield, put, you know, take some risks, throw the ball downfield. Obviously, he's got great speed, but maybe not as great of a, uh, with vision or not as great with the read option game where Jalen Daniels succeeds. So – it's it's difficult because I just I just think that those are they're they both have different strengths mm-hmm. that if you're trying to put together a real complicated game plan, it's that becomes almost impossible if you don't know which guy's going to be the quarterback. And I think that's totally fair. Uh, I think that's a totally a, a fair estimation of everything. And so yeah, you you see the differences there. But if we are to judge it on a different level, then we're going to learn more kind of moving forward. There, I do continue to believe that with Jason Bean, you're more of a five, six, I mean, seven win we, team. With we, Daniels, you're more of an eight or nine win. We team. said it all along. Mm-hmm. Jalen Daniels gives KU an extra two wins to their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you thought KU could go eight and four with Jalen Daniels. Now you think they can go six and six, right? And I think that I think they still easily can. They've still got a lot of games on the schedule that are very, very winnable. The Big Twelve is down this year. There's some teams that looked a little bit more scary in the preseason than they do now. That KU is going to have a real chance to to contend with, whether it's Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels. And I think this is still definitely a bowl team with Jason Bean. That isn't my opinion of that hasn't changed. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of nuance there. Um, in the end, not good enough, but also good opponent. And yeah, there are some things that moving forward you hope get better. I I do think the biggest difference, honestly, though, it, that you noticed like inside the game, outside of the option stuff. Kansas came in first in the Big Twelve in third down percentage, yep. over sixty percent. O of eight on third down. O of ten on on third and fourth down. So I yep. think that's where you saw the most. Well, what what's, about, okay. What, I just want to say one thing about mm-hmm. that. What's what really frustrated me about that is is that it wasn't even that KU was getting behind the sticks a lot. They fa- they had a lot of third down and medium, third down and six, third down and five. They had a couple like third and nines, I think, but they really did a pretty good job of getting themselves to manageable third downs and just never converted. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is the difference between your Big 12 offensive player of the year and your backup quarterback to con- is, is converting, you know, even two or three of those probably changes the game pretty sure. significantly. Yeah, and that's the question this week against UCF. Is that change enough that that's going to cause you to lose the game? I don't know. Uh, the defense, also a lot of nuance, I think, there too. Because, again, I can throw out positives and negatives. I can say, positively, 
Um, well, you you were 15 points better than you were last year. Um, I could say negatively, you still gave up 40 points. I can say positively, you were a bend but don't break defense. I could say negatively, you gave up 660 yards. Uh, positively, um, you got good pass rush. Negatively, the coverage wasn't good. Also negatively, you couldn't really tackle. Uh, positively, you were playing an elite offense with a bunch of elite weapons in Texas. Yeah. Um, negatively, uh, you're talking about um, a defense that, yes, as much as they got, well, I, I guess positively is that you got worn down because the offense couldn't get or stay on the field, yeah. partially because of, of what happened there and on those third I mean, the downs. Kansas the Kansas offense didn't so get a first tired. down yeah. from like the end of the first quarter until the fourth quarter. It was a hot game. You were tired. Negatively, though, you didn't do yourself any favors getting off the field either because they had a high third down conversion rate. And uh, I mean, you, you you were at the game. You weren't watching the broadcast. Yeah. But like in the, like the third and fourth quarter, every time they would pan to like the KU defense on the sideline, I mean, they just looked dead tired. They did. They and, and again, a big part of that was because the offense couldn't stay on the field. But also, again, like I said, part of it was self-inflicted. You have I mean, to you got give them up some blame, of, too. You got double up a time of possession. Yeah, and, and you couldn't get off the field at times. There were a lot of third and longs that they converted. Like, you go back to the first one of the game when um, it was, what, third down and, third and nine, and, nine and, and Quinn Ewers has a 30-yard uh, rushing touchdown at that point. And I think... It looks like um, I, I had Scott Chasen dig this up for me. So, so shout out to Scott and thank you to you. Um, on third and seven and longer, third and eight and longer, they were four of five in the second half, six of 11 for the game. Texas That's was. on third and eight or longer or third and seven or longer. So, I mean, those are the plays where it's like, if you're giving up 50% conversion rate on third down, that's not great to begin with. Yeah. But if you're just taking out the ones that are third and seven or longer, that's a problem. Yeah, well, it, it did feel like it was either there was either one of two things happened to the defense. Either you gave up eight yards of carry on first and ten, so they never even saw a third down, mm -hmm. or you managed to put all your effort into stopping the run and actually getting into a third and eight, like you said, just to give it up. That kind of felt like where the defense was at. But overall... I honestly believe this was a like the defense played really well. I really do. I really believe that. Given the circumstances, given what they were asked to do, I thought they 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 did everything they could. It was it was a one score game late in the third quarter. Uh, I think they were they did everything they could. They got a timely turnover late in the first half off the interception by Quinn Ewers. They they held him to multiple field goals that Texas ultimately missed. Which by the way, I think we talked about on the show that special teams could be an area where KU had yes. the advantage. They did. Texas missed a couple field goals. So you 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 bent but don't break a couple times. You got a timely turnover. Of, of Quinn Ewers, right? His first interception in nine thousand throws or whatever, whatever the stat is, and you just you just got wore down. Like I honestly thought the defense played well. They got more pressure on Quinn Ewers than I think he's probably faced all season, to be quite honest. And when when Quinn Ewers faced even the slightest bit of pressure, he was not sharp. To your point, Texas coming in had given up fourteen pressures. They give up sixteen to Kansas. Yeah. Uh, and when four he was under from Booker, three from Jeremy. Robinson. When he was pressured, he he was not sharp. Even even when KU wasn't sacking him. The pressures was definitely getting to him, so he looked he looked mortal. But I mean, dude, listen, when you got a six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound receiver in Adonai Mitchell out there, dude, to, to pair with to pair with Xavier Worthy, it's I I mean I just don't I mean over the course of a four quarter game, those dudes are going to get theirs, and they did. Right. Well, I th I think it was a realization that I still think the KU DBs are solid. They're good. But when you're going up against an elite team, and this, this I mean a guy who a, tra a, a, a transfer from Georgia. And a dude who was considered the best receiver in the conference. Those are the right. top two receivers. Right. So, I mean, it's it's whenever you're playing an elite team, obviously things are going to look a lot different than when they're playing BYU. But 
Kansas missed 24 tackles on defense. That is by far the most they've had this year. I, that there might was be a, more than they had last there year. There was right? a lot of arm tackles. A lot of missed tackles. On but a big Ford. reason why is because Texas has unbelievable players and athletes that yeah. can break those tackles, right? Yeah. So part of it is Kansas. But I, I think that's what's interesting about the defense side of the ball. Because you're right. If, if you would have said coming into the game you were going to force, what, a turnover – Hold them to 40. I, I know holding to 40 doesn't sound great, but theoretically, we knew if Kansas was going to have a chance to win this game, you knew they were going to have to score 30-plus. Yes. And theoretically, so. if they would have scored 31, if you lose 40-31, to 31, that's not like a bad loss at all. That'd be actually no. a good loss. Yes. I do think, though, there is a little bit of nuance there that you you do have to kind of realize that the score was closer than maybe the game truly was. Like yes. Texas led dude, 660 to 260 When in you yards. are overmatched like athletically and talent wise, that's exactly what you need. You sure. need the game to they be closer weird stuff on the to happen. Yes, yeah, you need the game did. to be closer on the scoreboard than it looks in the box sheet in the box score. Yeah. Well, no, they, I mean, yeah, exactly. That, like, they they did have some of the weird stuff happen that they needed to have I happen. Mean, talk about weird stuff. The first Kansas touchdown. Yes. <laughs> I know. So you had that happen. Mean, you had a bunch of gets, field goals. Jason Bean gets blasted, and Devin and Daniel Highshaw is right place, right time. Yeah. No, you, you had some of those things happen. You just didn't have enough else of the recipe. And um, I, I think the game really changed the most on the uh, the fourth and one when you couldn't get it. Because at that point, it was 20-14, to 14 or maybe it was 26-14, and it was, it was back to, to their 14. ball. It was 20-14. Okay. And they went down and scored quickly, and then it just felt like you didn't have the offensive punch after that. And, yeah. No, there's there's three plays on offense for Kansas that I really wanted to highlight out of this game. The first one in the first quarter, it's seven zero, your second drive of the game. It's third and eight, I think, or third and nine. You have a perfectly executed play. Great blocking on the pass protection for Jason Bean. Trevor Wilson runs a great route. He's open over the middle of the field. Jason Bean gives him a really good, really good pass, and Trevor Wilson can't make the catch. All of a sudden you punt. That one really, really stung. Mm-hmm. And there was actually a hold on a long run by Devin Neal early in the drive that kind of put them back to where that was. The second play was he had a third and five with Jason Bean down 13-7 to seven, uh, late in the first half. And Jason Bean tried to scramble and, and didn't get it. That was that was a big one. And then, like you said, the fourth down, certainly the biggest one, where at that point it's still a one-possession game. And, and listen, like I said, that's what you need to happen when you are a team that is athletically overmatched, and, and especially when you're on the road. Against against a team like Texas, you need that you need the weird things to happen. You need the scoreboard to stay close, even if the box score doesn't say it should be. And Kansas, the rest of the situation is they had the ball late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, in a one possession game on the road against the number three team in the country, with a chance to maybe go down and and take the lead if they scored a touchdown on that drive. And instead, you have the fourth down play that doesn't work and the fumble. And at that point, the game was pretty much over. Yeah. The way I, I overall view this game is that, honestly, we're – I will – it, it, it's funny. It's hard to view Kansas differently, I think. No, it, I, I think game. it is. Um, I almost will use this game as evidence based on what happens in the next two weeks only if negative stuff happens. Maybe that's not fair, but like, here's what I'm saying. If Kansas wins the next two games over UCF and Oklahoma State, which is going to be harder fine. now, potentially without Jalen Everything's Daniels. Everything's fine. Exactly. They're a party down Mass Street. They're 6-1. Exactly. And, and if, meanwhile, if Texas wins their next two games, they beat Oklahoma and the Red River or whatever, and, and they win their next, I don't know who they play after that. Um, we're just going to, I think at that point, you're going to look back to that game and just be like, yeah, maybe Texas is just like I mean, Texas a legit team that can has, win the title. They have a, I think we talked about this last yeah. week, they, they have a cakewalk to 12-0. and If they beat Oklahoma, they have a literal cake 
But I think I think looking back now that we're starting to get more of the puzzle picture in college football, there is a chance they might just be the best team in college football. It's like possible. winning at Alabama by ten, we were like, oh, but how good is Bama now? Well, all of a sudden, Bama gets challenged Goes by USF. Miss. USF's now three and two. They beat Ole Miss. It's like, well, how good is Ole Miss? Ole Miss beats LSU. Right? That like, was a wild game. It was way. a wild game. But now we're starting to get evidence that, like, you know what? Maybe Texas is the best team in the country, or maybe they're one of the two or three best. And that's what teams do that are in that position to even teams who are ranked in the top twenty-five. I. Uh, I looked at some examples from last year. Michigan beat Penn State. Penn State was a top 10 team. Penn State won the Rose Bowl. They beat them 41 to 17. That's just what the elite teams in college football do. So if if you win these next two games, we're not going to look back at this game against Texas as, it oh matter. man, it'll it just be no, matter. Texas is that good. Yes. On the flip side, Kansas loses the next two games. Maybe they go one and one. Maybe we will be like, yeah, there's some signs, but more to be determined, right? If they go one and one, I'll be one and one will be I'll more be to be determined. Oh and two, thrilled. oh and two, you would be looking back, being like, oh, oh no. and two would be sad. Yes, yes, that would be. All right, <laughs> that would be sad. Plenty more KU football talk throughout the day here. Uh, we're gonna get on to our hit of the week coming up next. David Lesky of Inside the Crown joins us after that. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Depend on it. David Lesky will join us in about 10 minutes to recap the Royals season that has uh, come to the close, I guess, mercifully for the Kansas City Royals in about 10 minutes here. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. We'll also get to some uh, Lance Leipold audio, more KU football, Chiefs recap, plenty more coming throughout the show. Uh, We have our hit of the week brought to you by Pearson Collision. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football in your car. Not so much. Quality work, every job, Pearson Collision in Lawrence. It's a little tougher to come up with a hit of the game for KU when they lose 40-14 and they miss 24 tackles. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, they got a couple sacks in there. They did. But I don't just want to default picking a sack. No, because you want it to be actually like a big hit. You want hit, it to be a hit, right? yes. Um, can we go off the beaten path? Can we go to the Chiefs game when Trey Smith had the awesome block where he Dude, just knocked the that guy was, back? That was side? not a block. That was an explosion. That was unbelievable. That was... And then Pacheco went and scored the like 40-yard rushing touchdown. <laughs> that was not a block. That does not do justice to what occurred. Now, I know technically this is supposed to be KU football, but I, I don't know. Where, where are the bylines? Can I pick the Chiefs? Um, Whatever. No, we'll, I think we'll we, should stick. Right. we should stick with KU. That's fine. Um do you get any? Do you give any sacks. credence to the idea of saying it was? Um, oh God! Uh, so Jalen Catalan, was, he, he hits Jason Bean. Yes, fumbles the safety. But Daniel Highshaw recovers and scores yes. a touchdown off it. I mean, honestly, so it was the hit of the week, and then because KU scored, I'm actually cool with that because that was, it was a big hit. Now it just happened but to be it Texas was on Kansas, positively for Kansas. Though. But exactly. Right, if you just said there was a big hit in the game and it resulted positively for Kansas, you would yes. assume they had the big hit. Doesn't matter. You don't yeah. have to tell oh, them the yeah, details. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Right? No. 100%. So yeah. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna give the the hit of the week brought to you by Pearson Collision. It's gonna actually go to Texas's Jalen Catalan. Their safety. I think we should write this down though as going to Daniel Highshaw. Or should it go to Jason Bean because he took the hit that allowed for the ball to sprinkle to Daniel Highshaw? Uh, I don't know. I think I'd rather go Highshaw. What do you think? I mean, he got the touchdown. Isn't yes. that enough? Isn't that oh, enough? He oh, gets you're the glory. He doesn't need. More. I think Jason Mean deserves something. Then again, fumbling is bad, so you shouldn't fumbling be rewarded for it. Is bad. Okay, we'll I'm, give it to Daniel. I'm kind of down for Highshaw. We'll give it to Daniel Highshaw. Uh, that said, this one Highshaw does not unseat the Kobe Bryant one. Correct? Uh, no. Okay. Highshaw assisted by Jalen Catalan. <laughs> assisted by Jalen Catalan slash Jason Mean. I'll say and hockey assist. 
by Jason Bean. Okay, that is our hit of the week for this week. <laughs> our uh, leaderboard, we still have the Kobe Bryant one against BYU as yep, the best. We, of the we have season. voted that one the best yes. so far. Yep. Marvin Grant has one. Austin Booker has one. JV Brown has one. And now Daniel Hyshaw, assisted by Jalen Catalan, and a hockey assist for Jason Bean is on there. <laughs> All right, that is our hit of the week, brought to you by Pearson Collision. Pearson knows accidents happen, understands the stress and pressure. Pearson embodies trusted, experienced, meticulous repair, and they work with your insurance. Pearson Collision Repair, 7th and Connecticut and Lawrence. And if you're looking for a job, Pearson is hiring. They're always looking to add to their team of artists with a rewarding career featuring awesome pay, paid holidays, and weekends off. Pearson Collision Repair strives to hire only the best and wants you to apply. If you're committed to excellence, want career growth, come join the award-winning team. You can go to the Pearson Collision Repair page on Facebook and apply today. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout in the action. More KU football talk to come throughout the day. Chiefs talk, NFL Monday overreactions, Lance Leipold audio, plenty more coming at you, including up next David Lesky of Inside the Crown breaks down the Royal season, which has maybe thankfully, question mark, come to a close here. We're going to talk about that next, what's ahead in the offseason after this break in the action on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And the Kansas City Royals season has come to a close. We're going to break that down right now with David Lesky of Inside the Crown. So the final record, 56-106. and 106. David, if I would have told you that would have been the record before the season started, what would your thoughts have been? How mad at me would you have been? Um, I, I don't know how to verbalize a wet fart noise, um, but, <laughs> but, but that, that, that would have been my thought. Um, and, and the funny thing is, so yeah, that's obviously it's a bad year. Um, that's that's an understatement. It's a really bad year. Um, but the funny thing is, if you said if the question then became, what would you have said if I told you the record would be fifty six hundred six on June thirtieth? I probably would have been like, wow, that's a really nice, that's a decent stretch of baseball <laughs> after that point. So, um, it's I guess it's it's all in the uh, the context, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess so. Uh, what looking back to you was the biggest positive over the 162-game season? Um, I mean, I think the easy answer is Bobby Witt, figuring things out and, and becoming, I mean, a, I think a superstar. I think that, that he's, um, you know, that, that, that's the ticket. Not, not, not that you have to, not that you can't lose with a superstar. I mean, look at the Angels, obviously. But um, having, having that impact player, on the middle of the di- in the middle of the diamond, on the middle of the diamond, all that um, I, I think is is probably the biggest positive. But um, you know, there are others. Cole Reagan's that acquisition, obviously huge. Um, I think you could argue that having that number two pitcher, one whatever you want to say he is, I think that might be even more important. Um, and, and overarching, though, I think one of the biggest things, and when we haven't seen it with everybody yet. So maybe it's just a blip, but um, players like Cole Reagan and James MacArthur and, and, and working with a guy like Alec Marsh, who, yeah, had his struggles, but seeing the overarching ability of the organization to actually implement changes within pitchers, um, it just brought them back to, you know, where everybody else is, <laughs> but but they were so far away from that previously that that's huge too. So 
that that that's a big one. I mean, like I said, the answer is Bobby Witt, but um, there there are some others that may actually even have bigger impacts down the road. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about James MacArthur. Obviously, a disastrous first appearance, right? And not many guys maybe can necessarily recover mentally from that. I guess, what do you think it says about him that he was able to do that and ended up having a pretty solid rest of the season comparatively compared to how he started? Yeah, I mean, give up, give up seven runs in one inning. Um, it's tough. <laughs> you, you know, you're looking at that ERA, and, and he ended, he, even with the way he pitched at the end of the year, after that, he still ended up with an ERA, I think, just under five. Um, it takes a long time. You, you you go to the mound and you look at the scoreboard and, oh, my ERA is 63. And then you have six more, six scoreless outings after that, six scoreless innings, and your ERA is still nine. Like, there's a mental side of that that is really tough. It's why, and we talk about this with guys who get up to slow starts. They look at the scoreboard and they're hitting 112 and 16 games in. And it, it's demoralizing. And so I think it says a lot about his mental makeup. Um, yeah, he's doesn't seem to be a guy that, that worries about that stuff, I, I guess. Um, it also seemed to fuel him a little bit. He talked about going back to AAA after that first stint and, and working even more on some of the changes that he'd learned from Brian Tweeney and Zach Bove and, and, and what Dane Johnson worked with him on um, when he was first acquired and all that. And so, I, you know, I, I said this before, guys like him, guys who are willing to put the work in, I'm always going to have a soft spot for. I, I just... If you if you say, hey, I want to get better, and I'm going to try this and that, and don't just rest on, well, I was good once, I'll be good again. Um, I like those guys more <laughs> than the other guys, and I, I think that James MacArthur is one of those guys. All right, flip side of all this, uh, what to you were the biggest negatives from the season outside of the record? Well, um, I, so many. It's hard to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at one player um, – I think Brady Singer has to be it because I think coming into the season, you you know, you're looking at Brady Singer and you say, okay, look, we either have our number two or three starter for the next five years if you can get an extension done, or you have a trade piece that can bring back three pieces for the future, you know, or whatever it might be. And and the regression there led to nothing. <laughs> it, they couldn't trade him. They, I, I, from what I understand, there were talks of the deadline. Um, I think they got the farthest with the Reds. I had a source tell me that the return would have been the, a type of return that would have made people upset, um, and, and rightfully so. Okay, so they didn't move him. I get that totally. He had a tough year. He was getting better. You say, okay, let's, let's let him finish the year and have a good finish, and then you can trade him in the offseason. And then he just tanked down the stretch. And it was nice, honestly, that he had a back injury because when you see that velocity decrease and there's no injury, you're going, okay, well, what's going on then? And then when there's a back injury, you go, okay, at least there's a reason. At least there's something there. So maybe it's not as dire as it seems with him, but but his inability to be, to, to put himself in pen as part of the future, either on the team or off the team, uh, I think that's the biggest biggest downfall. Big picture is the pitching. I mean, it goes back to that. They didn't do anything pitching-wise. I mean, <laughs> the starting rotation was bad all year, basically. It was until Cole Reagans got there. They didn't have a single pitcher you felt good about every fifth day. Um, Singer maybe for a stretch, but then that didn't last very long. The bullpen, obviously, we knew it was going to get worse after the deadline. I mean, they traded away Barlow, Chapman, and, and Jose Quas, who wasn't good, but wasn't terrible either. 
Um, so we knew that we knew there were going to be some struggles, but whew, <laughs> that that was bad. On, on the plus side with the bullpen, that's the easiest fix in baseball. Not that it's a guaranteed fix, but that's the sort of thing that you can fix in one winter. So um, that that to me is a little bit less of a negative. But yeah, I think overall the pitching and, and on a micro level, Brady Singer. Talking with David Lesky of Inside the Crown here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, now that we are technically in the offseason for the Royals, I know things don't really get opened up till uh, the MLB playoffs come to a close. But what what's going to kind of be the order of operations now in the offseason of, of structurally how everything will work uh, for Kansas City here? Well, I, I think from what I understand, and I, this may fall apart, so it may not end up happening, but it sounds like there's going to be some front office movement. Um, I don't think you're not going to hear this guy got fired, that guy got fired. But similar to the Brian Bridges hire, I think there's going to be some people brought in. Um, there might be some roles adjusted. That's that's kind of the okay before the playoffs end. But afterward, I, I think I, I think you're going to see some trades, maybe relatively quickly. Um, and we've got some decisions to make with the. A rule five deadline and the non tender deadline, and and I think with that they're probably going to want to get ahead of that a little bit. Um, now what they want to do and what they can do, you know, may it, it it depends on other teams, of course, on the trade front. And so it might be that they just can't get anything done as quickly as they would like to. Um, but I think they want to see some movement. I think they want to get some get some fresh names in there, get some get some guys moved out, um, figure out okay how can we make room for. A Tyler Gentry, for example, um, they already did make room for a lot of these guys. They brought Viviano and Bowen was already on the forty man, but Nick Lofton. So that a lot of the work has kind of been done. But I would anticipate there's some early offerings on the trade market. I also wonder a little bit. Um, I am trying to put a number on this. 85% confident they're going to spend some money. Um, I think they know they have to for, for a number of reasons. And I wonder a little bit if they're going to try to get ahead of the market so that they don't necessarily have to pay a bad team tax on any given player. You know, I mean, I, I always like to put it this way. If, if, if a guy, if a similar player gets three years and $36 million, the Royals have to pay the, the, the next player four years and $52 million. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an extra million per year and it's an extra year. But if they're the ones setting the market, they don't have to pay that tax. So I would not be terribly surprised if you see them jump out on a starting pitcher. I don't know who it might be. Um, I, you know, Jordan Montgomery was the name who I, I in my head, targeted back in March um, before the season started. And then he went out and he pitched really well for the Rangers down the stretch in a pennant race. And it, does that raise his value? I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe it makes it tougher for them to sign him. So maybe he's not necessarily the guy. But whoever it is, I could see them jumping out pretty quickly um, and, and getting something done, like I said, just so they don't have to pay the reactive bad team tax there. So I think yeah, that's where they're going to go. Um, I do think pitching is the priority uh, as it should be. Not that they, they absolutely should go get a bat, um, especially if they trade Salvador Perez. Um, I, so, and I think they'll they'll at least look at that market. But they got to pitch better, and they know it. The world, everybody in the world knows it. There, no, there's there's not a single person who looks at the Royals and says no, the pitching is fine. So, 
I think that's the priority, and I, and I do wonder if they jump the market a little bit. I disagree. I think everybody in the AL Central who's not the Royals is like, no, don't do anything. Please, don't. See, no, you're, you're right about that. <laughs> the, the, uh, well, I don't know. The White Sox, who knows, who knows yeah. what's going on in their organization. They, they might think the Royals need help, too. But, um, yeah, no, you're probably right. The, the AL Central teams probably love what the Royals are doing on the mound. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, as, as we head to the offseason, are there any players that, whether it is, you know, you, you said possibly active in trade market, uh, spending money free agency, is there anybody that seems to make sense for you that you're already highlighting early on to be like, that would make sense for both them in terms of what they need and, and in terms of what I think is attainable here? Yeah, there's, there's a couple guys on the mound specifically. One's a reclamation project and one is probably out of their price range, but you never know. The reclamation project, I would be interested in Frankie Montas. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping you were going to say Shohei Otani coming off of uh, Tommy John. Oh, absolutely him. Well, he's the obvious. I mean, they're going to sign him as DH. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I figure we knew he, they were signing Shohei mm-hmm. Otani. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Montas on the injured list all season long, came off on Saturday actually pitching at the Royals. Um, he's, he was a really good pitcher in 2021 and 2022 and then got hurt. And, I mean, health obviously is what's important there. Um, but if he's healthy... He's going to want to sign a one-year deal. I mean, this is a guy who could come off of that deal with five years and a hundred million dollars if he pitches well. And I, I don't know. Uh, we talk, I talked about the bad team tax. There is also something the Royals have to offer that other teams don't, which is an opportunity to make twenty-five starts. And Frankie Montas could sign with the Dodgers, or oh, that's a bad example because they, they might actually be a good team to sign with because they have so many health issues on their on their pitching staff, but. He can sign with a team that maybe can't guarantee him a spot in the rotation. And maybe he makes the rotation and whatever, and he builds value. But the Royals can probably say, We're gonna, you're going to be our number three starter. You are going to start on whatever day it is, the third game of the year is. And every fifth day after that, as long as you're healthy, um, probably until the trade deadline. <laughs> and, and, and then you can go get your big contract. Not a lot of teams can offer that. So... I think that that's where they have a bit of an advantage over some other teams. I think he's a guy who makes sense there. And the other guy, again, I don't, I don't know if this is a pipe dream or not, but I feel like Aaron Nola just makes so much sense for this team if they're willing to spend the money. And he's not a guy you can jump the market with probably because he had a down season ERA-wise. Um, you know, he's, he's just he's, – he's a big-name guy who hadn't, didn't have a big-name season. So I, I bet he – I bet he waits a little bit to sign. But if you're willing to go out and say, we're going to give you $22 million a year and go five years, four years, whatever it is, I think it could get done. And, you know, this is not a bad park for a pitcher to pitch in, not a bad defense for a pitcher to pitch in front of. Um, he, he's a guy who I think, if you're going to go out and get a starting pitcher, swim in the defense. You know, <laughs> take a look at what's out there. Maybe you're buying a little low on this guy. I could be wrong, and the market develops in a way that doesn't matter what his 2023 season was. Uh, and maybe he has a great postseason, too, and that, that makes it out of the Royals' range. But he makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Well, uh, that would certainly be a fun one to, to watch out for. Uh, we're talking with David Lesky here of Inside the Crown on the show. Um, so when you mentioned that, you know, maybe that's something that they could have in his advantage of, hey, you can get 25 starts or whatever. 
do, do you think it that way? Like, does that actually make if they are able to sign someone because in, in using that as like a bargaining chip? Does that make the Jordan Lyles deal actually worth it? Then so they can be like, look, we started this guy this many games. How many do you think you're going to start? Or how many innings are you going to get? Yeah. We only gave him $8 million and we won't stop pitching him. So what do you think we're going to do with your $11 million? Come on. Um, no, that's you're right. It does say, hey, look, we, we're going to give you that. We, we need the innings so bad that even if you're bad, we're going to keep pitching you, and maybe you turn it around. And Yeah. I. And if you is, don't, that's just okay as well. <laughs> either, either way, you're going to get paid and you're going to keep pitching. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think that's a marketing pitch. I really do when you're looking at free agents. And, yeah, maybe it gets them somebody. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt at all. Um, so the uh, MLB playoffs just got started. I, I will ask, do you have a uh, – or, or get started tomorrow. Do you have a uh, World Series pick? Yeah, so um, I wrote this morning my picks, and I had Blue Jays over Brewers. And then about, I don't know, 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, I found out that Brandon Woodruff is out and maybe out for the whole postseason. And – Unfortunately, the ink is dry on the internet, so um, I don't. I don't think it's going to be the Brewers. I, you know, I look at the starting rotations, and the Braves are the best team, but their pitching is kind of a mess right now. They've got Spencer Strider, and then we don't know what else. Um, maybe Max Reed comes back. Maybe he doesn't. You know, there, there's there's some questions. Um, the Dodgers, similar pitching issues. I mean, they are going to have to piece it together for three weeks, and that's tough. You look in the, on the American League side, the Orioles. Their pitching has come around, but I mean, I don't know. Are you, do you really want to count on Kyle Bradish in, in the? I, I don't. I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. You just don't know, and there's there's no there's no frame of reference there. And the Rays have had their pitching issues uh, with with health. And you look at the teams that have the best pitching: the Twins, the Blue Jays, and theoretically the Brewers. I'm I'm not entirely sure that's true without Brandon Woodruff, but just go, we'll go with it for a second. And they're the they're the teams that I think have a shot. Unfortunately, the, the Blue Jays and Twins play, and unfortunately for my predictions, I placed a bet on the Blue Jays when they were plus 1,900 to win the World Series. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to go with it because my money's on them. Okay, I love that. Hey, I mean, deep pitching staff, Kevin Gossman leading the way. I mean, I, I don't mind it and, at and all. And look, you know? Bo Bichette, Vladdy, yeah. George Springer, Star power. Come on, they can hit too. Yeah, and, and Vladdy and Bo Bichette, yeah, well, Bichette kind of by injury standards, but, you know, for Vladdy, right. maybe sort of a down year for him, maybe breaks out in the playoffs. Yeah, th I like that pick. Okay, uh, uh, final player of the week. Who would that be for the season? Uh, well, there's three choices. I'm going to give it to my third one that I'm going to list just because of you'll, you'll see why. But Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez, easy choices. Witt had a 164, Witt runs created plus. Melendez was 184. Witt struck out 7.7% of the time. MJ walked 18.8% of the time. Really, really good weeks. But unfortunately for them, they are not Zach Greinke. And this is Zach Greinke's time. He had probably his best week of the year. He threw 10 innings. He had a 0 0.9 ERA. He had five hits. Struck out seven, walked three. Uh, if this is it for him, he gets to go out with a, with a Rock Talk Sports Talk Player of the Week award. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, well, David, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with you over the course of the offseason when 
uh, things start kicking back up again, and, and hopefully it's an active offseason, so we have plenty to talk about with you. Uh, once again, subscribe to everything David has inside the crown. David, I appreciate the time today as well as all season long, man. It, it's been a pleasure. Looking forward to whenever we get to talk next. There we go. It's David Lasky, Inside the Crown. You're not going to want to miss the off-season content, so make sure you're uh, subscribed to his content. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays, Chiefs recap, NFL Monday overreactions, more KU football talk coming up on RCST with KLWN, depending on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Case of the Mondays time here on your Monday with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Who is having a case of the Mondays today? Are you having a case of Mondays? <sighs> yeah, because I had to sigh. adore the Chiefs. Mm. They, they won. Stink. You always say best part about winning ugly is winning. Yeah, that's the best part about winning, but the worst part about it is that my blood pressure is <laughs> 20,000 times higher than it needs okay. to be. Well, we'll recap the Chiefs game coming up in about 15, 20 minutes from right now. We also have our uh, NFL Monday overreactions, more K football talk after that. Let's start out with our case of the Mondays here. I, I think KU football does have to be on here for what it's worth, right? Yeah, a tough Saturday for KU football. I mean, this was, I mean, going into it Friday night, I think going into it was probably one of the most highly anticipated games for KU football in a long time. On the road against a top three team, star quarterback's going to play. You got Lance Leipold, you're 4-0. And then an hour before the game, Jalen Daniels not going to play. And it just it just took the wind out of your sails, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that's not a game that you expected to win with Jalen Daniels, but you thought you could. Ha- it would be a fun game to watch. Like, it would be enjoyable. And instead, the, all that went out the window. I mean, it was enjoyable-ish at halftime. It was it was only enjoyable because it was like, how are we hanging in yeah, there? You know no, I mean? it was the type of game where it's like, dude, we actually, if just one thing goes the right way, yeah. Kansas has a chance here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just didn't happen. So that was disappointing, certainly. And now, obviously, with Jalen Daniels, his injury status continuing to be up in the air. Lance Leipold said today he's day-to-day. Didn't practice today, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best way of putting it. It's brutal. So, yeah. Uh, case of the Mondays for Kansas. Oh, also, no more yeah, ranked. Was, no I mean, more ranked. You didn't even put on there. Illinois got crushed by Purdue. Yeah, Illinois did Illinois get smashed by Purdue. really bad. So, all of a sudden, KU's second best win does well, not I, look very good. Illinois yeah. might be like a 4 the BYU win looks really good, though. That's true. BYU, I mean, BYU, BYU looks like they're going to be really good. Yeah? Or like 8-4, maybe 7-5. We'll see. All right. Uh, Arkansas basketball is having a case of the Mondays. Because there is this recruit, Rakis Passmore. Yeah, who I think it's nice. That's Rakis. I think it's nice. His birth name. See, I, I'm glad you said it because I didn't know how to say Rakis. I, I think it's Rakis. R A K E A S. The last name I can do. Passmore for sure. Um, he, he Which, by the way, Passmore, incredible, incredible name. Basketball name. Because either way, it goes one of two ways. Either <laughs> if you're a really good passer, then it's great, it's hilarious. <laughs> if but also, if you're just like a ball hog, it's like, dude, it's like, dude, like, it's do in your, your last name. name. Yeah. Pass more, please. So anyway, he uh, he was supposed to have a visit to Arkansas, canceled the visit. He's visiting KU this week for uh, late night in the fog and everything. 
He is a 2024 recruit. He's ranked number 48th on the 24-7 sports ranking. Number 12, small forward, 6'5", 180, small forward. So probably could play him at the two or three uh, yeah. based on how you're looking. Obviously, whenever you see someone cancel a visit to take a visit somewhere else, it kind of jumps out as like, oh, well, yeah. I would imagine. This so he's visiting there, right? this week. He'll be visiting later yeah. this week. Uh, and this kicks off a big week for KU because late night yeah. in the fog is Friday and yeah. uh, Cooper Flag will be in town. Might as well rename it Cooper Flag Night in the Fog. Or, or late flag, night in the flag. Late night in the flag. <laughs> flag night in the fog. <laughs> no. Well, flag night a little in the fog alliteration not that there. Bad. Hmm. Uh. I kind of want to play it on the flag better though. <laughs> we'll we'll workshop. Okay. We'll workshop. We'll get in the lab. We'll, we'll we'll laboratory something up. But but yeah, good week. A, a big week for K recruiting wise, as it always is with late night in the fog coming up on Friday. And so, uh, I will just say this. That sucks, Arkansas, and that sucks, Eric Musselman. Stupid. Keep your shirt on, Musselman. Okay, what Idiot. would you do? I, I saw one Arkansas fan respond to the tweet, and he said, uh, Kansas wins in recruiting, Arkansas wins on the court. What would you like to say to that? <laughs> I would one just game. like to say, one game. when you walk into Arkansas' basketball arena, how many national championship banners you got hanging up in there? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's zero. Because you suck. Thank you. And it's Arkansas, by the way. What we were looking for there. Uh, Brian Ferentz, the Iowa offensive coordinator, I think is probably having a case of the Monday's day. <laughs> uh, they ended up winning the game, but they won it in the most Iowa way, way ever over uh, a Michigan State team who has not been very good this year. I mean, Michigan yeah. State just got crunched by Washington. And, yeah. uh, and obviously, the in the midst of what's going on with their program, Correct. You, you, you always, whenever you have something like that happen where your coach gets fired midseason, it's always a... It's always a coin flip of uh, is it gonna is everybody gonna crumble or is or is your team gonna kind of band together for the rest of the season? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Well, so so Iowa put up twenty six points against Michigan State. He needs to average the rest of the way over the final seven games. I think it's like twenty nine points per game <laughs> to get to the mark that they need to. But this was almost a disaster because this was one of those games where it was like Iowa's defense and special teams just once again rescued the offense. Yep. So here's here's Iowa's drive chart. Field goal, punt, 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 touchdown. By the way, their starting quarterback, Cade McNamara, got hurt. Um, oh. He was seen post-game telling another player, I blew out my knee, so that's not good. Oh. Then punt. So they have 10 points at halftime. Here's the second half. Um, their first play on offense, they fumble the football. Michigan State returns it for a touchdown. Next drive, interception thrown. Next drive, they kick a field goal. Okay. Next drive, they punt the football. Okay. Um, next drive, which I'm pretty sure that punt came. Um, yes, it did. They had a third and seven. They were down 16 to 13, five minutes left in the third quarter. They had third and seven. They ran the ball for a two-yard gain and then punted. <laughs> so unbelievable play calling there. Um, awesome. Then they uh, punted again. Okay. Then they got the football back again. And guess what they did? They punted. They did punt. <laughs> so that was, you know, more fun there. Um, then they got the ball back, and this is also funny to me, that they had a fourth and one. Okay, they had a third and ten at the Michigan State 27-yard line with six minutes left. Okay. You're down three. What would you think you'd do? Probably throw the football, right? Uh, Yeah, probably. You ran the football. They did get nine yards, so it worked. Wow. But now it's fourth and one at the 18. You're, you're like, Surely, you're down three. Tell me they didn't kick the goal. Surely you would think, hey, we're not going to have a lot of chances with our offense to score again. Let's let's go for it here. No, they kicked the field goal. 
So it was 16-16. Um, but then Cooper DeGene, the really good corner and punt returner for them, had a 70-yard punt return touchdown. So they ended up getting bailed out. But the Iowa offense sucks, and and all game long they were like Dude, at different points they were chanting okay. fire, Brian. Like couple things. Number one, we didn't talk about this in the open, but KU's punting was awesome. Damon Greaves, he's him. He is him <laughs> yes. punting the ball. It was great. It was awesome. Number two, this is why you don't put things like this in a contract because all it does is draws attention to it, and that's the only thing people talk about. Like this is the dumbest thing ever. Like, why would you do that? Okay, I understand from that standpoint, but isn't it so much more entertaining for us? It's great, yes, from the outside, but from from uh, Iowa, it's terrible from Iowa's perspective, right? Because they're getting a sure. bunch of they're getting a bunch of people just clowning on them, and then you got the, the fire Brian chance, right? If that part, let me ask you this: if that part of the contract was not disclosed, where that wasn't like something like a specific number, would people be this mad at the Iowa offense? Ooh. My answer is no, because this, this is the Iowa offense. This, nothing has changed. They, this is the same Iowa offense they've been for the past however many years. Okay, but why is it so bad? Why are people paying so much attention to this year? Because you put the stupid 25 points per game, oh, 25 points per game in the contract. Otherwise, nobody would care. It's just another Iowa year. See, this is I, what Iowa does. I definitely feel like I, I the, the offense. Yes, it, it hasn't been. You, I feel I, like I'm this telling is a new you, low, though. you would not care about Iowa's offense if they didn't have the stupid okay. 25 points. You wouldn't care. You I'm would not give it a second this, thought. Though. I'm You would never even consider it. I love this. So the only reason that it's in there in the situation is because they were stupid enough to put that in their contract. Stupid again? I'm all aboard. All aboard this. I love this. It's so entertaining from an outside perspective. Okay, uh, LeBron James's sports gambling career is on Case of the Mondays. So after the game on uh, the Thursday night football game with the Lions and the uh, Packers on Thursday night, LeBron uh, took to Twitter and was basically like, you know, I, I had the uh, everybody knows that I, I was picking the Lions, which, you know, that's easy to say after the game. But By the way, lie detector test for LeBron James. This is classic LeBron James. Yes, that's the thing. Afterwards. Most people, I would believe them and be like, oh, okay. Here, here's the exact tweet. Y'all know I love football. With that said, I'm thinking about doing my picks of the week, quotes, and NFL games, tomorrow on IG Live before they start. I did pick Detroit over Green Bay Thursday Night Football. Anyways, I'm we'll sure see. you did, LeBron. Yeah, the fact that with LeBron's track record of him like just straight up lying about stuff like just that. making stuff it, up. It might not be the truth. But anyway, so he went to Instagram Live. Here was the... Uh, Le Parlay, as they were calling it. It was the Browns and the Steelers. The Browns lost by 28-3. 25. Yeah, the Steelers lost by 24. 24. 30-6. So collectively, the two teams he picked lost by over 50 points. Now, and listen, not this is not, I am not a good sports gambler either. So, you know, this, I just think it is very funny. Uh, that LeBron and bro, we'll probably hear like next week. LeBron is like, "Oh, what do you mean? I, you know, I." Well, no. What would classic LeBron is if he's like, you know, I gave those as my picks, but I didn't personally pick them. Right? <laughs> so it doesn't like, count. I didn't actually bet them, <laughs> right? And that's that's exactly what you would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Something like that is funny. Uh, Jimmy Butler is having a case of the Monday or the emos. What you didn't see Jimmy Butler's haircut today? Yeah, but what is that? It comes what do you out mean, the emos, emo, emo people. <laughs> yeah, I just the way you put that. <laughs> Sorry, the emo people, because it's like, what is he doing? Sounds derogatory. <laughs> it's not derogatory, bro. It's not derogatory. They they want to be called that, I think, right? 
goodness. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know. what else? 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 If you dress up in all black, Wait, why did he do this? Why did he do this? <laughs> because he's mad Wait, about. Please explain to the listeners what he did. He's emotional about the Heat losing out on the Damian Lillard trade, and so he like straightened his hair and looked like an emo, put it all over his eyes and looked like an emo person. Right? Is that is that not the correct way to to to, to sure. define what occurred? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So he did that in, in a pouty way and had like some other stuff, and it was just it was just weird. It's just weird, man. Why would you? Why? Okay. Well said. The emos. <laughs> um, NFL tinfoil hat people are having a case of the Monday. Dude, you got to chill with the refs and the crap with the Chiefs. I mean, good Lord. People are losing. The, first of all, you got the ref stuff. You got people getting upset about um, Patrick Mahomes sliding late in the game. You got all the Taylor Swift stuff. of People saying, well, the NFL needed the Chiefs to keep winning because of Taylor Swift. Dude, get outside. Touch some grass and just relax, man. Just relax. I promise you, it's not that deep, okay? First of all, bad calls happen every game against every team, okay? So I don't want to hear it. Literally, cry more. Cry harder. Two, Mahomes did the right thing to slide. Win the game. Yes. I don't care about your damn Chiefs minus nine and a half bet. I literally don't care. Just be better. At, first of all, be better at gambling. Second of all, if you're that upset about it, maybe you don't have the money to risk losing, Okay. Gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. Seriously, please. And three, I honestly don't care about the Taylor Swift stuff. I think it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I'm happy about Taylor Swift. Sure. No, I mean, Great. that's that's uh, that's how you know Take you've made it. Hat off. Take your tinfoil hat off. Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Get some sun. But put some sunscreen on because you probably might burn if you've been in your, in your basement for too long. Touch some grass. Get some sun. Chill. But see, that's how you know you've made it as the Chiefs because teams or, or other people are starting to have conspiracy theories against them. So, <sighs> in, in, in a way, it's almost a compliment. It's so annoying is what it is. All right, that is Case of the Mondays. Let's get to our Chiefs recap coming up next. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depending on it. Back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we're going to get to some Lance Leipold post-game audio coming up later on in the show. We also have more KU football talk on the show. And uh, coming up later, Nick is going to uh, exclaim some more derogatory terms. <laughs> Dude, your way. it's not, it's not derogatory. I'm just joking. Okay. I don't think. Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's 2023, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think you're fine. <laughs> anyway, the Kansas City Chiefs won last night. Um, twenty three to twenty, made Nick feel a little emo coming into the game. Yeah, dude, it's brutal. But, but listen, they won. This is exactly. I mean, I, uh, me, I could yes. write the script for the Chiefs every single week. I know I could tell you exactly what they're gonna do, and this is exactly what happened. It's seventeen zero second quarter. You're like, dude, this game's over. Awesome, sweet. Chiefs are gonna win fifty to zero. Fantastic. Bears two But little did you know, but I knew <laughs> that that was not gonna happen. Because this is what the Chiefs do. They get up big, and then they just screw around. Here come the Jets. Zach Wilson all of a sudden is Aaron Rodgers. You had Chris Collinsworth comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Jets come back. Now, the one part of this, though, that actually didn't come true is, normally what happens in these situations is, normally what would have happened is the Chiefs would have kicked the field goal to make it 26-20, and Zach Wilson would have got the ball with a chance to win the game. 
That's normally how the Chiefs script goes. So the Chiefs script didn't follow entirely how it normally goes. But, uh, yeah, I could have told you that was going to happen. And, uh, yeah, so best part of winning ugly, winning. This is a game that nobody's going to remember going forward. Chiefs got the W. That's all that matters. Yes, that is all that matters. No, but I, I, it's very different, like the NFL, when you're comparing that to college football. You know, like if you're if you're Georgia, if we're if we're doing like Georgia <laughs> sports talk, we're like, man, they only won by seven over Auburn. Are you kidding me? What, like, what would our wrong, what would know? our show be called if we were Georgia? Uh, Bulldog. I don't know what they're talk? like saying is. Sure, maybe Uga Uga sports, Uga talk. sports talk. I don't know. <laughs> no, but like in the NFL, it really is like, yes, there was a certain point where you don't want to be the Vikings from last year where yeah. every game is a one score game. Yeah, um, that hasn't been the case so far this year for the Chiefs. Like, I guess the Jags was a one score game just barely. But um, your other win in there against the Bears was just an automatic blow. Like yeah. in the NFL, you take the wins when you can get them. And yeah. yes, the Chiefs could have easily and probably should have. You had a chance to step on their throat early. It was 17 nothing, And then you yeah. kind of let them back in it with the safety. Well, and- OK. Did you know that that was a rule, by the way, with the safety? Yeah, I, I knew if the, the penalty yeah. starts yes. outside the end zone, but it continues into the end zone, then it doesn't matter. It's not a safety. Oh, I didn't know that was a wait. Because that, that's what the discussion was. Yeah, yeah. So no, basically, I mean, the there's, discussion there's was, yeah. did he grab the face mask and start face masking him before he got into the end zone? Right. And if that was the case, then it should not have been a safety. Right. But because he also face masked him in the end zone, that part doesn't matter. Because it started, the, the it, it's... Where the penalty starts occurring, so yes. so if you if you want to hold a guy and you're backed up, grab a hold of him and make sure you hold him before you get in the end zone, mm-hmm. and then you can hold him to your heart's content in the end zone. It doesn't matter because it's not a safety. So yeah, that's a, something I wasn't really totally aware of. Yeah, and then apparently the they messed call. it up or it wasn't the right call. It should not have been a safety. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like everybody wanted to, from the national media wanted to turn this into a ref show or this was messed up, yada, yada, yada. Um, I just don't care, man. Yeah, that's one thing. Like, I, I've made that pretty clear. I don't care to begin with. Uh, two, though, like, I don't know. They, they, You probably could argue that was a hold on Sauce Gardner. I understood if they let it go. Right. They let a lot go last night. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's the thing. You know what? The balance is out. And, and that's, exactly. my biggest, that's my biggest That's my biggest complaint with all this stuff. There's never, like, whenever somebody points out Oh, they missed this call because the refs overall do get a majority of these things right. It's just you know every once in a while everybody. You know, okay, let's put, call, let, like, let me tell you this. You know why the Chiefs had third and twenty? Yes, because, because on the play before yes. there was a soft holding call against the Chiefs on a pass to Travis Kelsey that would have made it first and goal. Correct. And then the next play would have never. Oh, happened. nobody wants to remember that. Nobody right. wants to even talk about that. Right. Or the Ridiculous. safety, which would have cost two points. Or the. Uh, oh, and also the, Robert the Sala is a soft, broke. Blank. I don't know if he's broke. Um, okay, it's fourth and one at the thirty-four, and you kick a field goal against the Chiefs. You yeah. deserve to lose. Well, no, and, then, and then there's also the horse collar that should have been a face mask on Brees Hall. Right? Like, this is not me to complain about the Rav or whatever this and that. This is me basically saying that like it is so stupid if you want to harp on a penalty at the end of the game because guess what? There are penalties all throughout the games on both teams that you might or might not agree with, and like the, the one two where they were like the, there was the the screen grab of the. Uh, I forget who was blocking for the Chiefs, blocking like Jermaine Johnson, and they're like, "Oh, he's clearly being held." And it's like, "No, he's not." He's like, <laughs> "Every if, if that's going to be a hold, every play is a hold because he's just grabbing him by the inside of the shoulder pads." It was not that that happens every play. That happens every play. Anyway, the big takeaways from this game is, I don't know why Patrick Mahomes just turned his brain off. 
just turned it off. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know what was going on. And it was like, it was like a physical, okay, I almost wondered if like he was having trouble with his ankle. Because not only was he just making dumb throws, because sometimes, okay, listen, Patrick Mahomes makes throws that for any other quarterback would be really dumb, mm-hmm. but because he's Mahomes, it's fine. But when he's not throwing like Mahomes, they are dumb throws, and he had two interceptions off of it. And I don't know what he's doing. I don't even know what he was doing. Like, I, I don't understand why he did those things. So that was weird. Right. The two uh, interceptions were bad. Yeah, I don't really know what was going on there. So there's that. But then obviously he's Mahomes, and he just enters activates God mode late in the game and goes and wins it. So who cares? But, uh, yeah, weird game from Mahomes. Isaiah Pacheco, obviously, fantastic. Uh, great, great game from him in a homecoming game. Because I think he's from he's not from New York, but he's from New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah, that's where Rutgers is. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. So shout out, shout out to Pacheco, and the receivers continue to be inconsistent to bad. So <laughs> just, that sucks. It's, it's they they just can't gain separation. And I I do think there was a bit of Mahomes with those interceptions that he was trying to force the issue because nobody was getting open. Part of it too, like and the normally Jets that's are good fine defense, because Mahomes yeah. is Mahomes, right? But again, he makes Mahomes makes a lot of throws that seriously. Any if any other quarterback attempts them, you'd be like. This guy's an idiot. Terrible decision. What are you doing? But he's Mahomes, and he makes those throws, and it's fine. Yeah. But when he's not Mahomes, and the throws look like they did that last night, then it's bad. Right. And it was just it was it was super weird because not only was he really struggling, but also like Zach Wilson was going off, and that just yeah. didn't seem to make sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the Zach Wilson stuff was was weird. I mean. Dude, man, the NFL, weird stuff happens in the NFL. I don't know how else to explain it. It's NFL football. Weird stuff happens. Like Zach Wilson will probably throw like three I think it was, this week. I think it was Ryan Clark. and the. Did you see the post-game interview with, with Chris Jones? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Was, was that uh, Ryan Clark? It was Rodney Harrison. Rodney, Rodney Harrison, Harrison, yeah. Who was like trying to get Chris Jones to admit that Zach Wilson sucks. And by the way, Chris Jones handled that fantastically, Very well. right? Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you're in the NFL, you don't suck, right. okay? He There's, asked him a I mean, question. He was basically like, how did you get ready for this offense knowing that it couldn't be very good? And then he answers, he gives like a, you know. And then, and then Rodney Harrison doubled down and was like, oh, but come on, oh, but you, dude, know you know that, yeah, yeah, you know that Zach Wilson's terrible. And he's like, no, like, not bro, at all. Like, yeah, yeah, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, that, that was, very was well handled unprofessional by and weird, and Chris Jones did a great job. But, but no, I mean, to your point, like, the, Zach Wilson was the number, what, two or three overall pick in the NFL draft. Yes. He has talent. Like, he's a great player. Un- objectively, a talented, great player. Okay? And you saw it. I mean, he he could, he he, turned, he flipped it on. He turned the switch. Had a great had a great game in a big moment. That can happen. That can happen with literally any player in the NFL at any time. To be quite honest with you, uh, and so that it was annoying, obviously, from the Chiefs' perspective <laughs> that it happened. That that that's what happened. Uh, but that's just that's just how it goes, I guess. Yeah. And Garrett Wilson is obviously an elite receiver. And Brees Hall is a pretty talented running back. Brian Cook saved the game, by the way. With that tackling, man. Great open field tackle. I mean, that, that saved the game. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, the discourse is going to be around the, the penalties and crap and Taylor Swift and Swifties and all that crap. And, you know what? Again, whatever. I don't care. Show Taylor Swift as much as you want. Truly. As long as it's not in the game, I don't care. Well, and I, I thought that the Chiefs defense actually still played really well. I know you look up at the end of the day and you're like, wow, Zach Wilson had a good game. And, you know, they had a chance to win the game kind of late. Like, 
oh, how good is this defense? Think about it. You gave up the two free points that shouldn't have been there with the safety. Okay, that means they're only at 18. Yet the, the the second interception Mahomes threw was at the end of the first half. It didn't end up leading the points. The first they, the one, other I think, one, led to the field yes. goal, right? No, the other one they scored a touchdown on. They, they, went, they, they, went, they literally went straight down and scored a touchdown. Okay, yes. so that means that your defense realistically only gave up 11 points. Yeah. And it took Zach Wilson I mean, throwing a bunch of darts the, the Jets and had, back shoulder fades that they made To start the catches. second half, the Jets had that one touchdown drive where Zach Wilson was Tom Brady. And just literally carved them a new one straight down the field. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was, it, I, I didn't, it didn't make any sense, honestly. But that's just how it goes. Uh, so yeah, that was a bit uh, frustrating. But again, this is a game where I don't think anybody's going to really care about it. The rest of the season. I mean, you won. Who cares? Move right. on. It's the NFL. The Chiefs. I think MVP was Isaiah Pacheco oh, in the game. 100%. Right. You have to go uh, with oh, that oh, easily. Over 150 yards of offense, um, have a touchdown run. Yeah. Are you Which, concerned by the way, at all long-term about the the offensive in a, uh, struggles because it's outside man, of the Bears game? hasn't looked great. I, I don't know. I, I don't really – I'm not really that worried, no. What I am worried about is Isaiah Pacheco, great game. Andy Reid, Clyde, get out there. Need more Clyde. What, Andy, what are you doing? The, Brother. The play, the, the play on the short uh, little, like – Flat route to Clyde Edwards Alaire where he catches it, basically <laughs> gets tackled. It looks like he's after, gonna get it looks like yard. he's gonna get like ten yards. If that is Pacheco or Jet McKinnon, he probably does. That to me was the biggest thing of like why <laughs> this hasn't worked with Clyde. He's fine as he a backup just, running well, back, but he the just problem it, is you don't have juice. One it, step, not, one right stride from CJ Mosley is like six strides for Clyde. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sorry. Short, I'm not trying to short shame, but that's where that's what we've come to. We've come to emo people and shortchain on the show. Okay. Well, glad we're going to offend everyone here. All right, he is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. We're going to head to our NFL Monday overreactions. We've got some more KU football talk coming up. We've also got some Lance Leipold postgame audio that we're going to get to coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com. And the KLWN app, depend on it. It's about 20 till 5 here on Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick what? Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. What are you laughing at? You were laughing at me, so I, I wasn't laughing, laughing at anything. You were probably laughing about the emos again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is going to be a new thing. I hope somebody didn't just tune in and they're like, what are they talking about? Uh, hey, Jayhawk fans. Go on to Grandstand if you're looking for some uh, customized stuff. They have the coolest brand items for your favorite craft beverage brands. Glasses, shirts, hats, giveaways, you name it. They can do it. We're going to be out of Big Mill this Saturday for the KU football game. Going to have a uh, live KLW and pregame show from 1230 to 130. Kiss crew will be there 1230 to 230. And some of the stuff we're going to be giving away is going to be from Grandstand. Some awesome stuff they've made for us here at our station. They're also always on the lookout for great team members. So uh, if you're looking for a job... Grandstand loves working with um, all sorts of people right here in Lawrence. It's amazing. You don't have to worry about a long commute because they're in Lawrence. The process is a cool blend of personal skill mixed with top-of-the-line technology, so it's not a surprise that everything they make is top, top quality. They have air-conditioned production floor, an on-site gym, personal trainers, company events, and a great salary and benefits package. Plus, you get to help glow or grow craft beer and spirits brands, which is pretty cool. You can check them out at egrandstand.com slash careers to learn more. That's letter E, grandstand.com slash careers. 
All right, we got our NFL Monday overreactions. What's on the agenda this week? Whoops, Mike was not on. There we go. We're back. We're live. As uh, okay. the producer of the show. Dude, I'm so focused on making sure that you look and sound good that I Thank just forgot about myself. Well, you don't have to worry about how I look. This is radio. That is anyway, true. All right. But maybe, you know, if we ever wanted to, I don't know. That's true. Okay, anyways, we should just move on from this. <laughs> uh, we talked all about it a little bit last segment, but Zach Wilson, actually Zach Attack. good. He's just good. Mm-hmm. He's just good. Good at football. He's a good player. Um, He's a good quarterback. Well, I mean, if you take this very literally by the sense of, like, even if you're the worst quarterback, the worst starting quarterback he in the NFL. outplayed Mahomes. No, but, well, okay, wait. So, even if you're the worst starting quarterback, let's, let's go even further than that. Even if you're the worst quarterback on an NFL roster, starters and backups, there's probably only, like, 90 to No, not even that, right? Uh, I don't know, 70, 80, something like that. Some teams carry three, some don't. Okay. So that means, hypothetically, if at any moment you're in the NFL, you're one of the 80 best quarterbacks in the entire world. Yes. Most likely, right? For all we know, know. there's might be a great good, quarterback in Canada or Germany or something. Who knows? Okay, you're one Aussie of the top 100. football quarterbacks. You're one of the top. I don't think they have quarterbacks. In Ozzy Wills football? No, they're like all running backs, basically. <laughs> uh, you're one of the top 100. I don't know how it works. Ben. So out of millions and millions and billions of people, yes, good at football. Now, that said, that is not how we compare them. We compare should, them I to should their get into peers. I Rules football. Sure, go for it. Report I think I will. I will. Let me know how it works. You'll have no idea what's going on. Dude, um, I watched rugby, like the Rugby U.S. Championship, whatever, like a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. It was the worst experience of my life. Yeah, I had no idea what was going, going on. on. Exactly. They kept punting. They were losing, and they kept punting. Yeah, because they're trying to pin the team Explain back. Explain that. And get the football. No, I hate it. Different rules. It was horrible. Man. Rules <laughs> different sport. It's terrible. You just said I'm going to be an Aussie Rules football person, and then you went to bash it. <laughs> no, I bashed rugby. Oh, okay. Anyway, I haven't watched Aussie Rules football, so I it, it might I might enjoy it. I don't know. Anyway, I I'm not quite after one good game. Now he did outplay Patrick Holmes. Obviously, no, he is not better than Patrick Holmes. <laughs> On one night, Zach Wilson was good. I will give him that. <laughs> the testament, though, the test of time of being good is consistently doing it, doing it over and over again. And until Zach Wilson does it, strings it together for multiple weeks in a row, no, you cannot say Zach Wilson is now good. On the flip side, Mac Jones is the worst quarterback in the league. Oh. He's the worst quarterback well, in the league. So Mac Jones, bad. He got benched. Bailey Zapp comes in. He did Cowboys not get benched. have a good defense. According oh, to Bill Belichick. What did, what, how'd they spin this one? Bill Belichick says he's still the starter. So, okay, so he just got subbed out. I yeah, guess yeah, is, yeah. The, is the actual phrase. Sure, no, Bill Belichick made it very clear that Mac Jones is still the guy. All right. Which, by the way, free my like man. Zap not being good. Free my man, Bailey Zappi. Free I don't him. think he's very good. Free him. Either. Let him be free. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, man. No, uh, he is not. Okay, so let's think this through. I who's mean, worse let's than just him? go back one more week. The who's, Patriots who's, beat the Jets, right? Who, who is worse than Mac Jones? Kenny Zach Pickett. Wilson. Zach Wilson. Unless he plays like Bryce Young. Yeah, Kenny Pickett's kind of bad. Uh, <laughs> Bryce Young bad right now. Daniel yeah. Jones. Uh, I, I take Daniel Jones <laughs> over Mac Jones. The Battle of the Jones. Uh, Josh Dobbs is good. You can't put him in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, where would the Patriots be with Josh Dobbs? They'd be pretty good. Win the Super Bowl. Let's see. Who else is bad? Uh, we're, we're missing somebody. Did you almost say Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. no. What? I thought I, said, I heard you. No. Mm. Uh, Anthony Richardson's good. Justin Fields. Yeah, you put him in there. Is oh, Mac Jones better than well Justin Fields? Denver. Um, I kind of want to say yes, but also Russell. like I feel like if Justin Fields was with a competent coaching staff like Bill Belichick, 
that Fields would be better. Russell Wilson? Russell, he's not played well. <laughs> but I still think he's better than Mac Jones. <laughs> Joe Burrow is playing really okay, bad right Joe now. Burrow, so go sure. down there? All right, yeah. Joe Burrow worse than Mac Jones. So you think he's worse? Okay, final answer. Mac Jones, is, is he the worst? No, he's not the worst. Who's worse? Again, several of the guys <laughs> you just listed. Okay, I'm just, yeah. I'm just asking the questions here. All right. The Buffalo Bills, if they played the Denver Broncos this week, they would win by via transit of property. They would win by eighty points because okay. so yeah the, the the Dolphins beat fifty the, beat the Broncos by fifty and the Bills beat the Dolphins by thirty yeah uh, that's twenty eight or whatever logical way of determining that no that's not that's not how it works I will say the Bills have, have kind of quietly turned into a wagon here you know what I mean like yeah I know because the, they just blew up the Commanders the, listen, last week and the Commanders the, have looked good the discourse the, the discourse with the Bills after they lost to the Jets was, was too much Josh Allen is cooked. Uh, he he can't handle the great big moment. He sucks, and now look what they've done. Well, to, okay, to that notion about what the Bills have done, playing close with the Jets, losing, but then coming back and now having big blowouts last week. Does that give you? Doesn't that give you like more hope about the Chiefs like not having a great game against the Jets? That it's like, like what do you mean? Like in terms of I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Well, I, I mean, I understand where you're going with this because the Jets have a good defense. Yes. So the Jets, the Jets are going to play a close you game. Ugly. Yes. You're going to play a close game against the Jets. They're going to fluster your offense. Yes. So should the Chiefs be concerned that they only put up 23 points and Patrick Mahomes was bad? Yes. No. But I don't can't think you so. just point exactly to the Bills and be like, oh, yeah, no, well, I don't see, think the fine. Chiefs should be concerned really that much. Yeah. I mean, again, the Chiefs Jets game played out exactly how I knew it was going to. One possession game late, Chiefs screwed around. But they got the win. That's all that matters. Yes. All right. Jacksonville, the Jaguars, they should be Jacksonville no more. They should be the London Jaguars because oh. they, they're they better in London. Aren't they playing in London back-to-back weeks? Yes. Here? They're That's just wild. chilling in London again, I, I guess. If that Okay. The, the Jags have obviously played the most out of any team. Like, they've shown that graph, and it's like 10 times for the Jags. Well, it's because like their owner, like more doesn't than, like, the owner three. want them to be in London eventually? I don't know. That's always been the rumor that they want to move out there. So it's always felt that way. But it's always been more of like a, a, a slight flirtation. Dude. This to me feels like you're like you're moving to the, <laughs> the next City level. Chiefs you know? versus the London Jaguars just sounds awesome. <laughs> just give it to me. I want it so bad. They'd have to change their name, right? No. Why? I don't think you can be the Jaguars in, in Who London. Said, why not? I know they'd be the be London. That- they'd be the London Jaguars. <laughs> okay, there's part of the reason <laughs> be you the can't. London, because then all the people would be the like, Jaguars. Jaguars. No, let's see. We can't, we can't do this. <laughs> we can't do this. No. Why would they have to change their name? There's no. They would not have to change their they name. They don't have to. I'm just saying. Wouldn't it be cooler for them to have like something that pays homage to like England, like what, or Britain, like or that episode of Family Guy, the, the London silly nannies? <laughs> I mean, that'd actually be really funny. <laughs> no, oh, no, they should be football team because that <laughs> it's like the, it's like the uh, the soccer club. But no, right? wouldn't they wouldn't they no, have they to be, be football club? Wouldn't they have to be the uh, London American football team? Oh, yes. So that people Okay, know. I love this. American <laughs> football team, yes. LAFT. Because, because yeah. then people in England would be like, "Oh, uh, dude, I would totally buy tickets to the London football game." They show up and they're playing American. They'd be like, "What is, what is going on? They're no, playing American that football." Them. That might help them sell out the stadium. But no, then everyone would leave because they'd be like, what? why aren't they playing no, footy? No, I disagree. They why aren't they playing up. footy? <laughs> why aren't they playing footy? They would show up and be like, what is this? And then they'd fall in love because they'd be like, oh, this is way more action than than soccer <laughs> and football, you know? <laughs> no, anyway. I think, no, it would not work at all. Um, no, I don't really want there to be a London team. I, I think there's too much travel and like. It doesn't make any sense. It's just like free agents. Like what free agent? I, it, it's going to be very limited. 
Roger Goodell, if he really wants a team in London, he needs to dedicate all of the NFL's billions and billions of dollars in assets into building a teleport. <laughs> okay. And the problem solved. You can have as many. You can have London, Australia, mm-hmm. Germany, any team you want. I'll say this. If, if they do build a teleporter, I am with you. I'm cool with London at that point in time. Or, you know, any country. I mean, think whatever. about it. The NFL's R&D department has got to have infinite resources if they wanted to. <laughs> Just build a teleporter. Imagine that. The NFL's like, well, you know how we're like this billion-dollar business? We actually went bankrupt, but we built a teleporter, so... You know, but then they us. would not be bankrupt anymore because then they could. That's true, they could sell, it they out. Could sell like a millions. teleporter and be in. How much do you think a teleporter would cost to build? Like, no, once if if they did oh. create one and then it became like commercialized, I think it would. I mean, probably millions of dollars, right? I think to start out, yes. But would it be that crazy thing that a teleporter like would cost like as much as a car? Like probably you, not. Well, like you. You want you invest yeah, in a car for travel. Like think about it. Remember when TVs were like at first, like it would cost you like ten thousand dollars, like to exactly. buy this like, 15, like thirty like, inch TV. Yeah, that like was dude, ten years ago, pounds. fifteen years ago, yeah. if you wanted a sixty inch flat screen TV, that was going to cost you like eight grand. <laughs> yeah. Now you can get it for like eight hundred dollars. Like, oh, it's on sale for four hundred this week. It's like, nah, I'm good. You know, nope. All right, what's next? That's yeah, ridiculous. All right, the Bears, they're going to ruin Caleb Williams. Ooh, Caleb well, Williams should. Stay in college okay. to avoid the Bears. So there's a couple things here. One, the Bears lost to the Broncos in a battle of 0-3 teams. So obviously, um, so the, the only 0-4 teams were the Bears and the Panthers, right? And the Bears own the yes, Panthers pick. and the Bears own the Panthers pick. And they have the tiebreaker with the Broncos to where, dude, the Bears could feasibly draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison back-to-back. I mean, That'd be wild. How do you lose? Because you're the Bears and you mess up the development of a quarterback. Could you see? I mean, this is the thing. Like, Caleb Williams, I feel, is, is pretty can't-miss prospect. But that would be the ultimate Bears thing, who have never, like, been able to figure out the quarterback position. And they just, that happens. Then again, Caleb Williams, he did make a comment recently. He did, yeah. About how he does have another year left of eligibility. And, you know, maybe 10 years ago, this wouldn't even be a discussion. But he said that I don't. It's not just that I have another year left of eligibility. I will probably make more off NIL money than I will on my rookie contract. Now, exactly. obviously, a rookie NFL contract. It's not just about the one year. You're getting long-term money in case there's any injury. You don't get that with NIL. But I believe that you're in USC, Southern California, um, the national brands, Los like you're Angeles, the face of college football, as opposed yeah. to being one of the faces of the NFL that you would make more money just on a one-year basis to the NFL. So I understand it where he was basically saying, you know, we can almost pick and choose where we want to go. Now, the, the, yeah. the teams that he listed where he would be, like, comfortable going to, it would be very difficult for any of those teams to get up there. It was, I like, the Cowboys, oh. um, the New York Giants. I don't know. There, there were a couple other teams up there where it's like, are you, I don't wow. know if those the teams are going to be nearly that bad. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Now, how much of this is just a ploy by Caleb Williams? You know, are we are we getting a uh, Ryan Leaf Peyton Manning 2.0? Could situation? be John Elway situation, right? It could be. I don't know. Uh, but the Bears would ruin Caleb Williams. Um, no, but I don't feel great about it. Keenan Allen, he's a Hall of Famer. Ooh. He should be a Hall of Famer. Dude's off to an insane start. He is. He's been a veteran wide receiver in the league for a long time. He deserves to be in camp. Keenan Allen is a Hall of Famer. So this is a tough one. He's got a lot of cumulative stats, over 800 career catches. He's, you know, uh, barring any other injuries this year, which has been unfortunate for him. 
he should be able to to cross 10,000 career receiving yards in the next three games, maybe four or five games, whatever it is, because uh, he's about 300 yards away. He's been a really good receiver, but the thing is, like, I'll, I'll Dude, be very interested. The I, threshold I, of being like a Hall of Famer in the NFL is so it is. high. And here's the thing. Like when you if you're gonna compare Keenan Allen's numbers to like any receiver 20, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, you're gonna be like, of course he's a Hall of Famer. The thing is, nowadays, it's like has Keenan Allen ever been a top ten receiver during one of his years? He's been really good. I think so. You think so? Top 10. I mean, but there's so many good receivers. Yeah. Man. There's so many good receivers. Yeah. He's a five time pro bowler. He's never been all pro. I'll say yes, but I wouldn't be shocked either way. The thing is that's going for him, he's still 31 years old, and as much as he had to deal with injury stuff. Which is wild, because it feels like he's been around for a long time. And the way that he's a route runner and a savvy receiver, you could see him playing and and being like semi-effective. Yeah, exactly. And if he puts up another couple thousand yard receiving seasons, like the, the total numbers, the cumulative stats are going to be good enough. I, I think he will. I don't know that I expect it to be first ballot, though. All right. The Texans, maybe they're the best team in the AFC South. And C.J. Stroud, mm. best rookie quarterback. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard because they just lost pretty handily to the Colts two weeks ago. But maybe but they're the hitting Colts their aren't stride. that good. But the Titans just blew out the Bengals. I know. So there's competition here. The Jags are two and two. Is I'm, everybody I'm, two and two in this division? I'm mad at the Titans. Mm. I'm mad at the Titans. But I think CJ Stroud's hitting this stride. Um, he still hasn't thrown an interception this year, which for a rookie quarterback, really well. Uh, he's had over 300 yards a couple times already this season. Um, I like like the. I don't know. They they have competent players now around the quarterback. It's not like a a, a luxury of talent, but they have competent players. D'Amico Ryans, I think, has done well so far, and he's he's helped the defense get a lot better. They've got some interesting players on that side of the ball. I'm not quite ready to say they're the best team in the AFC South. I don't know who I'd pick, to be honest. I still would probably rely on the preseason with the Jags or the Titans. Yes. But I think it's going to be close to the finish line between all four of these teams. I think all of them are going to be muddled Are they together. all going to be like 6-9 and nine going into the last couple weeks of the season? Somewhere between six, seven, eight, nine wins, I think, probably. <laughs> Somewhere in that range. I do think honestly, CJ Stroud is the best rookie quarterback. That kind of makes things exciting. Yeah, it does. No, but so I think, the other I think options Stroud for rookie best. quarterbacks are Bryce what? Young, Bryce who's Young really struggled. And who else? Um, I mean, a couple of them we haven't seen hit the field. Like Will Levis, we haven't seen hit the field, which I don't oh, know if yeah. that's going to happen at some point because Ryan Tannehill continues to not look very good, even though they're two and two. Um, but yeah, Bryce Young has two touchdowns, two interceptions, and then uh, who's the other first? Oh, Anthony Richardson. Richardson's, oh, Richardson's looked really looked good. good too. Richardson's but been good. Stroud has been even better. Now the thing is, I don't know if Richardson's going to be able to stay healthy. We, that's the thing. If we're talking long term, Richardson's going to have the question of health. Stroud's going to have the question of. I always felt like Stroud was going to be a quarterback who was always going to be good but never be great. Whereas Bryce Young maybe had a higher ceiling but lower floor. So that remains the question. But right now, it's hard not to go with CJ Stroud. Okay. The Cincinnati Bengals, they're cooked. They're going to miss the playoffs. They're yes. Done. I mean, this this was something I said uh, a couple weeks dude, ago. Dude, I hate the Rams, dude. You can't figure Screw them out? Screw the Rams. Why? No, dude, because the Rams should have easily beaten the Bengals last week. And then the Bengals would be 0-4, and they would undoubtedly be cooked. I mean, no question they'd be cooked. Well, even at 1-3, and three, it's going to be I'm tough. I'm telling you right now, the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. You think so? I'm telling you right now. They, and it's going it to be the Rams' fault. It's going to be the Rams' fault. The Rams 
had a chance to absolutely unequivocally bury them because they would have lost to the Titans this week and be 0-4. Because they because the Rams couldn't do that, the Bengals are going to be in the playoffs. I'm telling right, you. Here, here's the upcoming six games for the Bengals. At Cardinals. I, I don't care. I don't know how it's going to happen. No, no, no. Wait, They're going to make plays. At Cardinals versus Seattle. They could go 2-0 there. Michael 1-1. One one. If they go 1-1, one one, they might actually miss the playoffs. If they do, I, I agree. Because here's why. Here's the next games after that. At San Francisco versus Buffalo <laughs> versus Houston at Baltimore. You That's could tough. go 1-3 there. That's tough. I don't think they're going to make playoffs. It's it's a tough division. I, I, Guys are injured. It, Burrow it, it, it does goes not look in the right. face of everything that's logical. I think, assuming they go 2-0 in the next two games, they will be in the playoffs. Okay. They'll be in the playoffs. All right. Which I don't want it. I don't want them to be. That's why I'm mad we'll at see. the Rams. <clears throat> we'll see. So screw you, Matt Stafford. I mean, Stafford. they were 0-2 last year. Went on a roll, so. Screw you, Matt Stafford. All right, two hours down. That's all we got time for today on our NFL Monday, Monday Overreactions. One hour to go. We got some more KU football talk. Lance Leipold postgame audio. Both those coming up on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have uh, Lance Leipold Hawk Talk on Wednesday, High School Sports Weekly on Thursday over at Mama's Tamale Shop. High School Football on Friday, KLWN will have LHS, 92.9 The Bowl will have Free State. And then on Saturday, we got KU Football. I'll be out at Big Mail, 1230 to 1.30. Kiss Crew, 1230 to 2.30. Giving away all sorts of free stuff out of Big Mail before the KU Football game, which you can hear here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN on Saturday. Get to some uh, Lance Leipold postgame Texas audio and some... Post-game audio from uh, O.J. Burroughs, Jason Mean, and Austin Booker from after the Texas game coming up in our next segment. Uh, so KU falls to Texas 40-14 to on Saturday down in Austin. KU no longer rank, ranked anymore. They are uh, still receiving votes. 34th. Yes. Ranking. All right, what was the biggest positive for you from the KU-Texas game? You know, I think the biggest positive really was just that in the face of some pretty significant adversity with your starting quarterback being out, literally mere hours, minutes before the start of the game, that this Kansas team did not crumble, right? I mean, this is a game against Texas that, again, we, we talked about it. You know, the box score suggested it should be it would it should have been a wider deficit than it was, but the right situation is you had a one-score game on the road against a number three team in the country who some are considering the best team in the country with your backup quarterback, and you, you had a one-score game in the third, late third, early fourth quarter. Uh, so that that's really impressive. I think just the fact that they didn't crumble, right? I mean, I don't think anybody would have blamed Kansas if they could have if they would have just kind of folded and Texas maybe dominated from the start, and that wasn't totally the case. Uh, so I was I was really impressed with the resolve of this KU team and the perseverance of of KU to overcome that because, I mean, dude, that's brutal, right? I mean, you've got a star quarterback, offensive player of the year, going into your biggest game of the season. You know, you're probably in the locker room getting ready, getting ready to go out for warm-ups, and then bam, news comes down. He's out. I mean, that could really, really shake a locker room. And I, I think the fact that Kansas still came out and competed hard and kept it a, a, a tight game for as long as they did, that was something that really impressed me. I I don't know, man. It's it's hard to it's hard to pick in a game where you lose forty to fourteen. Um, I'm I'm gonna go pass rush. You know, I, I do think there still is 
obviously some things you you need to figure out in terms of I don't know if it's like pass rush discipline with staying in your lanes or what it like clearly allowing quarterbacks to scramble is, is continuing to be a problem right Quinn Ewers who is not a running quarterback had 40 yards rushing and two touchdowns right yeah and the big problem is you're going to be facing a UCF team that regardless of if it's John Reese Pumley or Timmy McClain starting for them on Saturday both those guys are athletic dual threat type quarterbacks and with John Reese Pumley I think he was supposed to practice today and it sounds like UCF is TBD on if he might play so this could be a game where you have Two backups starting for both teams, possibly. I, not, I'm not saying that Jason Bean's going to start. I'm just saying it, I think at this point you have to realize I feel like realize it's, it's a, almost the expectation yeah, at this yeah, point. I, mean, yeah. I think you have to realize that it's a it's a strong possibility. Which, by the way, real quick, I do want to mention this. We'll get to the Lance Leipold post-game audio, or the, the pre-game audio from this week on tomorrow's show. Um, it, it was said about that, that Jalen's day-to-day didn't practice today. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm kind of in the, in the camp of two things. Um. On one hand, it is frustrating that you're not getting clarity from the coaching staff, especially when there is this push from KU to be like, please come to our games. I think the fans do want a bit of honesty there. At the same point in time, there is another part of me that's like, what if the coaching staff just straight up doesn't know? Because yeah. this is such a like I mean, it's, weird it's, situation. Yeah, it's starting to me to sound right? like where it's like where they just don't. a freak injury. Now, I, I will know. say that something similar to this did happen at Buffalo when uh, I forget if it was uh, Tyrese Jackson and Kyle Van Trees had to take over, and one of the quarterbacks or something had like some sort of an injury, and it was similar dealings by Lance Leipold and the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, this listen, is how they kind of operated. So exactly. I don't know. Yeah, Lance Leipold has already well established how they he like likes to, to handle... kind of be in the secrecy in the dark here. Yeah, Which, and, and again, we, we've highlighted it. I think I what think happened it's starting last to year, weigh in on the fans. I will say, like, yeah. you know, from a lot of people, I've been people are starting to get a little frustrated with it. Um, so I, I, I kind of understand it. Um, no, it's definitely frustrating. I get it. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just wanted to quickly make mention of that. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I do think the pass rush. Anyway, that's that's where I was going to go with this for KU. They they had 16 pressures. That was more than Kansas or that Texas had even given up in the first four games of the season. Yeah. And even though you only ended up with, with two sacks, there were a couple others that you had a chance to do. Um, really impressed, continue to be by Austin Booker. Man, that, what an addition that Dog. was. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, I mean, dude, and, you the know, D-line, Robinson too. The D-line has gone from a position of major concern in the offseason to you brought in some transfers and you've hit pretty well on a few of them, right? Devin Phillips and, and Austin Booker have been two really, really solid additions. And Patrick Joyner's played quite a bit. We haven't seen a ton from Gage Keys when he's been out there. I think he might have been hurt, actually. Uh, didn't he get hurt last week, Gage Keys? I don't remember. I think he did, because uh, I don't think he played much against Texas. But, you know, Patrick Joyner, Dylan Brooks played a little bit. Uh, so you've got guys that you brought in to strengthen that position group, and boy, has it paid off, right? I mean, without Lonnie Phelps, you thought that would be a major, major weakness. You've gone out in the transfer portal and turned it into – one of your strengths, to be quite honest. Yeah, you really have. So that's my biggest positive. Uh, what is your biggest negative? Oh, man, biggest negative. <sighs> man, I... Mm, okay. One thing that we didn't talk about in the open that I'm a little bit curious about is it felt like KU had some plays with Jason Bean that were working early in the game. When they were running some of the speed option stuff, when they were, uh, you know, utilizing that, and Devin, Devin Neal and, and, and Daniel Highshaw both looked effective running the ball, and it, it felt like KU kind of went away from that. It, I felt like they went away from that. I don't really know why, what the reasoning behind that was, but they kind of went away from it, and it, and it just that kind of helped unravel them a little bit. 
don't know if they call that a negative. I mean, the, the drops by some wide receivers, that was tough. I mean, Jason Bean did he did what he could. Obviously didn't play great. Uh, but given the circumstances, I thought, you know, did did his best. Uh, you go to the defense. The secondary was getting burned pretty badly, but again, going up against the two best receivers you're probably going to see all year. Mm-hmm. Run game struggled, but again, Jonathan Brooks is probably an NFL running back. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's really one big negative. It was just kind of a lot of death negative. by a thousand cuts, right? Not huge negatives, but negatives here that piled up. Yeah, right? is that fair? I, mine was the inability to sustain drives on offense, and who you want to point blame to the. Surprised of not having Jalen Daniels the starter, Jason Bean struggling, play calling, having to adjust to not having Jalen Daniels, offensive line uh, struggling and pass block. Whatever you want to talk about is the reason why receivers' inability to get open. Maybe it's the collection of the parts. Maybe it's everything. Because maybe this game was a little bit, as much as Jason Bean I thought struggled, you, you were a little higher on him than I was. Maybe this game a little bit to me was a bit of a realization that this Kansas offense is really good. It's not I, – I don't think it's like top five, top ten elite. Well, listen, if Andy Kolnicki wants to be the most stressful offense to prepare for each week, that, to me, I read that as there's a lot of prep work that goes in to game plan throughout the week to ensure that you are an offense that is stressing the defense. And again, when you have to make a total pivot from your starting quarterback, that eliminates, to me, that aspect of the offense. Right, I mean, truly, I think it does. And again, going forward, my concern is that it's going to be very difficult for KU to continue to to be the most stressful offense that Andy Kulnicki wants them to be. If week in and week out, they aren't, they cannot guarantee who the starting quarterback is. Because I, I just, I read that as starting on probably on Sunday, to be honest, or Monday, they are implementing various parts of the game plan that they want to utilize throughout the week. And that culminates in this, what they want to be the most stressful. And when you have a dramatic change, i.e. different quarterback, within hours of the start of the game, or when you have an entire week where you can't be sure one way or the other who your starting quarterback is going to be, that, it, that to me, takes that away. It takes away that intricate game plan aspect of it. It takes away all that. And I think that's a big part of what makes Andy Kudelinke successful. And I think this is now going to be a real challenge for this offense if it continues to be the case. And I'm not saying that the KU offense is going to struggle or be bad because they've got too much talent to be bad, right? I mean, Devin Neal is great. Daniel Hyshaw is great. They've got great receivers. Their offensive line is, is strong. They're still going to be, I think, a pretty good offense. But if the difference between them being a middle-of-the-road, above-average offense in the Big 12 versus being the number one offense in the Big 12 or being one of the top two offenses or being a top 10 offense in the country even, if the difference between those two things is – that game planning aspect, that the intricacies of implementing that stuff in the in in the week leading up to the game, and they can't do that. Now you are looking at maybe an offense that can't be relied upon as much as maybe you hoped to start. The yeah. Season. So I think that was mine. Uh, do you have a biggest neutral? Anything that just was was what it was? Punting. Punting, punting. was great. Okay. But again, if your punting is great, <laughs> you don't want to yeah. you don't want to have your headline be punter had a great game today. <laughs> punter had a great game on Saturday. Yeah. So that I think that to me is. I, I would say the bend but don't break for me because it's the same thing. 
on one hand, it was good that KU showed they could bend but not break, but also you don't want to do it like having to do it as much as they did uh, because that means that the other team is having the ball a lot. All right. Uh, we're going to get to that Lance Leipold postgame audio, some player postgame too. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.